Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Well, hello, baby. I want you to feed me. It's scrimp shop time. <laughs> oh, I get what you're doing now. That's, that's a joke that's going to pay off later. Hello, uh, everybody. Welcome to Script Shop. This is our podcast. Listeners, if you only could sit next to Jack when he just like bounces these things out into the room, mm-hmm. your life would be so much better. Well, I mean, listen, I could I could act like this was something that I just sort of came up with off the cuff, but I absolutely have been planning on doing this <laughs> Aubrey 2 voice for the last yeah. week and a half now. Oh. Hello, baby. It's funny, though, because I'm literally like looking at you and you say, mm-hmm. let's start the show. And I say, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And then you launch into something like that. And then I do a very formal countdown of three, two, one, and then I say, feed me. <laughs> so that's Jack and I'm Allison. And Hi, guys. welcome to Script Shop, where we talk to screenwriters about what they've written and why they wrote it and what it means to them. And specifically for this week's show, the reason that I'm doing a Little Shop of Horrors, Aubrey 2 kind of voice is because we're going to be talking with Garen Pernia, who wrote a script called The Finicky Cat. Right. It's, I have, it's a 26-page zombie cat relationship romp. <laughs> it's about a cat that wants to be fed. <laughs> yeah, he does. And there's, there. I mean, listen, I, I'm not saying like it's an homage or anything like that, but like there's some some connections to the idea of somebody that brings some sort of innocuous thing into their world yep. and it comes back on them big time. Yeah, man. That'll be fun to talk to Garen about like Agreed. where it came, exactly what the show's about, where it came from and why and what inspired it. <laughs> and one of the fun things is the fact that we're a little bit familiar with this script right. because it was a part of the Sindependent Film Festival. Da, 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 da. Ladies and gentlemen, you're <laughs> you're tuning into a very special show because this is our first one back from yeah. having done the Sindependent Film Festival. Man, <laughs> sorry. Which, My pan zipper just got oh. down, so I'm having to pull it back up. So let me grab the mic right here and let you all know while she zips it back up. From August twenty third weird pants. From August twenty third to the twenty fifth, uh when we're recording in mid September. So not that long ago. This right. is our first time back. From back just like two weeks ago, we were doing a huge thing. It was a film festival in Cincinnati right. that we did. It was amazing. That we're so proud of. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was incredible. You guys probably have heard us talk about it on the show because we've encouraged you to submit your scripts to this independent film festival. Yeah, we've been promoting it all year. <laughs> so um, thank you for everybody that did, and thank you for those that will maybe do it in this next year. Yes. But basically, me, Jack, Frank, Garen, herself, mm-hmm. a slew of filmmakers, 161 filmmakers and writers, um, and then the rest of our team, too, who worked on Cinepinet, basically posted up in downtown Cincinnati for about five days. And we yes. just had this incredible film festival where there were... 12 hours of screenings pretty much every day. There were parties. There were after parties. There was chit-chatting and networking and running out to get and something to eat because you forgot Drinking to and eat having and fun and drinks. dancing. And my baby and was there and she was so cute the whole time. Everything. It was, it was amazing. And uh, we get to talk to Garen about what it was like to be a part of that as well. And so. Garen was there like all three days. I know. That was cool. 
Yeah. I love that people came back. I you am know, too. They I'm would show up on like it. the first day, and then you'd see them the second day, and then you'd see them the third day. We also had people who like legitimately like flew into town yeah. and were here for the whole three days. This was something we've been working on for the last year. And uh, I, we had a wonderful team, and everybody did a wonderful job. I'm going to take this moment right now to formally <laughs> say, as proud as I am of what everybody did, and I'm extremely proud of the team that we had, I am also aware of the fact that as well as the team did, it all keyed off of everything that you set. You set the tone for this. This was your idea. This was your baby. And I want to say formally on the show right now, congratulations to you because it was wonderful and everything went great. And there were a lot of moving pieces and you were the helm. You were the genesis of all of it. And wow, what a time. And if you're listening to this show and you're thinking to yourself, it's independent film festival. I don't know what that is. Hmm. Y'all need to make some plans for 2019 because we're defo doing it again. And I mean, how many how many different filmmakers and creative type people did we have come up to us over those three days yeah. who said, I can't believe this is your first time doing so a festival? Everybody. Yeah. And honestly, if you don't believe us, go to filmfreeway.com and check out the over 30, almost six out of six full star reviews that we have. It was a great time. It's amazing. Everybody had a blast. Frank, Frank, you're sitting right here. Frank, Frank was a huge part of this. Yeah. Frank, do you have any thoughts about how things went? It was it was fucking amazing. Wow. That's rare a rare curse word from Frank. That's a big deal. I mean, we don't. Frank. Wow. Anyway, so so you get the idea. I just like it when Frank's happy. I am too. I do too. Um, we will. My goal is for us to be open for submissions again by November. Okay. So th- so if you are following along, you'll start hearing us promoting it again because Script Shop is an official partner of the Independent Film Festival. Yes. And uh, Jack led all of our live screenplay reads, which had a great turnout. It had a great number yeah, of people. Cool. We, we we did straight up auditions where yep. local talent came out to read scripts. We read the Finicky Cat in its entirety. Yeah. to a room that was so cool, and it went over so well. People loved it. We had great talent that came out. We had wonderful people that showed up to the readings all three days. It was great. Uh, and 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 having this interview with Garen is. And an offshoot of yeah. how great everything went during the festival. Yeah. And uh, next year, we're just going to do screenplay reads bigger and better. Yes. We have more time to do cooler things with them. And so um, I would really like to hear what it felt like for Garen when her script was read, like in its entirety, in front of other people. Yeah. Because so, uh, everybody did a wonderful job. Yeah. I have, no, I have no problem saying that. The whole cast did a great job. That's cool. And you were the narrator on all those things. Yeah, I was drinking a lot of water because my <laughs> voice was really wearing out after a while. But it went really no well. I was very happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, let's ask Garen what it felt like hearing her script read. Before we get to Garen, real quick, yes. we need to point out the fact that oh, yeah. if you are listening to the show and you maybe want to find other ways to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Script Shop Show on all of those platforms. We're there for you. We're providing weird, off-the-air uh, rando content yeah. that you're welcome to enjoy. Yeah, as you should, because those Wednesday release videos are hysterical. Well, it's going to be a hard, <laughs> we're going to have a hard time <laughs> topping. We're, so we're here right after we did the wrestling show for Kayfabe. Yeah, that one was all Jack's idea, and That's it was a, hilarious. I'm very happy that it we're, that it came out as well as it did, and thank <laughs> you guys for putting up with me as long as you did to make that video happen. That was a piece of cake. That was great. Anyway, um, so there's a lot you can check out with us, again, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And Patreon, if you want to send us some dollars. Like yeah. I always ask my parents, if you want to if you want to send us money, you can. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because we're definitely, we're in college and we need to hit them up for dough. Sure. Uh-huh. 
And uh, Frank, anything else? If you have written something that you uh-huh. want to submit to us the yeah. way Garen has, the way uh, future guests and previous guests have, you can do that sort of thing on scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And also on Film Freeway, look up Script Shop and you can submit straight to us on there. No fees. Because I know that on <laughs> Film yeah. Freeway sometimes like submitting things you have to pay, but you don't have to pay to submit your Not script. Not for us. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. We want it all. We we want it all. We want our we want to eat our cake. <laughs> I can't even think of the correct phrase. We want it all. <laughs> air guitar. I don't even know what we're singing, but I like air guitar. We should probably oh wait, Frank. We're getting sued again. Oh, <laughs> that was just a couple seconds. That wasn't long enough to actually anybody know what I was doing. Do you know? Yeah, and I didn't even know the song. I just said it. I mean, I was referencing Queen, but it was more of a <laughs> like a. a casual thing well we should probably go to garen garen's garen. sitting right here and she's been so politely sitting with us through the last eight minutes of our don't nonsense forget about me over here <laughs> garen thank you so much for coming in we, oh. we we it's so nice to have somebody actually in studio to talk to yeah oh thanks for having me it rocks it's exciting uh so we we did have your full script read during sindependent yes. mm-hmm had you heard it read with an audience before? Once um, before, like three years ago at the Cincinnati Film Fest, they did it. Yeah. But it was more like a table read, so they just had some actors, and like no one showed up to it. So this, I mm. think, was more like interactive. And awesome. So it was cool. Like you guys were like on a stage and a platform. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So you wrote this at least three years ago, then? Yeah, actually, a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> what man? Yeah. So have you just been sitting with it, trying to find things to do with it since then? Pretty much. Uh, yeah. I mean, I keep submitting it to Film Fast, and it keeps getting in in a screenplay contest. But through all that, like no one has actually approached me to give me a bucket of money to make it, you yeah. know, or <laughs> yeah. you know, or uh, produce it. So I don't know. So if anyone's listening and want to make a movie about a brain-eating cat, get in touch, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so right. So this is a script. And the reason that I was making references to Little Shop of Horrors earlier is because yeah. this is the story of a man and a wife who have just lost their pet cat. And they decide to bring a new cat into the family. And because the script is called The Finicky Cat, this cat has a very specific predilection as far as what it's in the mood for to eat. Yeah, it, it'll only eat like human brains. There we go. It won't eat anything else. So feed me. Yeah, definitely inspired by Little Shop of Horrors. So. Oh man. Yeah. Gosh, are we just talking about the script now? Well, we can. We can. <laughs> I, I, I'm, inter- I'm actually interested to see where Garen's, you know, sort of writing life goes to. But yes, yeah. In terms of the idea of of the general plot of the script, yeah. This couple brings this cat into their life. It's got a very specific kind of diet, and the story sort of plays out to like a worst case scenario as far Seriously. as a couple that brings a cat in that wants to just eat brains. Right. Well, because we get to watch their relationship through this small travesty that becomes a larger tragedy mm-hmm. and so um a hilarious tragedy hilarious one <laughs> <The> comedy <laughs> yeah it's yeah. basically the unraveling of their relationship in this absurd situation i like that you refer to it as a relationship romp yeah. i think that's pretty accurate yeah so. good <laughs> i like that alliteration <laughs> um so let's see let's go back 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 when did you first start writing just in general, or yeah. Uh, yeah. like in the life of Garen. I mean, I've written like my whole life. Just growing up, I wrote short stories in high school. I was on my uh, high school newspaper. Um, I went to Ohio University for three years and tried to do like kind of the journalism thing. But then I kind of segued more into film and screenwriting. Cool. And then about twenty years ago, I'm like, makes really old. I <laughs> I moved yeah. to L.A. and I just was like, uh. 
I finished college at, at Cal State Northridge out there and did their screenwriting program and kind of worked in the industry, like on a lot of like films and TV shows, mainly as a PA, while also trying to like write and direct my own kind of thing. And a long time ago, I wrote and directed a short film called The Interns, which is another comedy cool. of, about like a group of interns that are treated poorly at a production company and they kind of overthrow the company. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can watch it on YouTube. There we go. <laughs> All right, right <laughs> on my YouTube down. channel. Um, and that's what I did for five years out there, just trying to get my own stuff made. I, I wrote like a feature script. Um, it's sort of like a college experience story, kind of like if John Hughes had done a movie in college and I going to direct it. And then I realized I was a little overly ambitious. I didn't have the money or the resources and cast SAG actors. I, I had the whole thing ready to go. And I just was like, what am I doing? I, I don't have the money to do this. Mm. And Ended up like kind of filming some scenes and like piecing it together, um, editing with it to VCRs, <laughs> hoping yeah. like maybe I'll show some investors, but you know, the quality wasn't great. And then after that, I was like, maybe I'm not meant to just do film, like be a filmmaker. I should focus more on the writing. And that's kind of what I did. I um, left LA in 2003, moved back to Ohio temporarily, then moved to Chicago, and that's where I started a journalism career. Um, that's what I've been doing ever since freelancing, writing mm-hmm. about music and film and TV and food and all that sort of thing. Okay. So. Well, wow. so one of the big things that I work in radio and I work in news, and one of the things that I like to impart to when we have interns is to let them know that one of the big things to do as far as career. Right. Just be able to write it. Write something once. Write it a second time a different way. The idea of being able to write is so important as far as like anything you want to do in terms of broadcast or journalism or whatever. And if if if, if film is kind of a thing, and but you're also sort of trying to balance it with a gig and you're finding regular jobs as far as journalism goes, being able to write anything at any time has got to be hugely valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You know, just... Just someone like told me just you can write a blog, just like right. so you're writing just every day and just getting experience doing that. And I did some internships, like journalism internships too, and and like they force you to write. And it's great to like the screenwriting program I did in college was good because it forced me to have deadlines. It actually forced me to finish something and turn right. something in, and then you get it critiqued. So that's like a good way also I think to get uh, experience. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having to like write it, get it in somewhere, get feedback on it, I yeah. think is really important. When you are writing screenplays now, who reads them? Like, who's who's the first person who reads a new script you write? I don't actually show it to anybody because, <laughs> I don't know, I don't really want people, I mean, I don't know. I feel like having it like in the film fest is valuable, like you're saying the live reading. I think that's actually good feedback and I want like unbiased, I don't really want someone I know to read it because they might not be honest with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel weird just showing people my work. I just kind of rather keep it to myself a little bit. So Does it feel very personal? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because there's a weird thing where if you feel like it's not finished, you maybe don't want to share it with other people, yeah. right? And you want to feel like it's polished and, okay, this is something I put some work into. I've edited it once or twice or thrice or whatever. And then you're willing to yeah. say, hey, take a look at this and tell me what you think. Because otherwise you're putting yourself out there maybe in an unpolished way that you're yeah. not proud of. I think with me, it's sort of like, like, it's an ongoing thing. Like, when do you say it's finished, when it's done? Because I'm, like, kind of a perfectionist, so I'll just keep writing and writing it. And, like, even The Finicky Cat, I've rewritten it so many times. You know, it just keeps going and going to get to that point where, like, okay, I'm done with it. And even after the, the live reading, I'm thinking maybe, maybe I could rework some of these mm. scenes a little bit more. <laughs> you know, like, it's an ongoing process. Is anything ever really complete? So, do 
Is your um, process for like writing a screenplay different than your journalistic process? It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a different style because, like, for journalism, like you interview someone and you transcribe it, and it's more like objective. It's like here's a story, and it's it's done. You know, it doesn't take that long. But with, with something like screenwriting, it's a little bit more creative and. Uh, there's more like a thought process behind it, I think. And I, I don't do outlines or anything. I just kind of like, I have a general idea where I want the story to go and I'll take little notes and then like kind of develop it. But yeah, it's just a completely different process, I mm-hmm. think. So Finicky Cat is something that you've had in the works inside you and you've you've been working on and polishing for the last few years. Like if you could just let us know where where were you at like specifically in your life where you had this idea of doing a story of a cat that wanted to eat brains? It's loosely based on a true story. That's what I like to say. Oh, um, loosely. So a long time ago, I had a cat. Her name was Mimi, and she only ate like dry cat food. Like she wouldn't even eat like wet food. Oh, that's the dream with cats. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Or like table scrap. She never begged. But like all the other cats I've ever had are you know just like. They lose everything. their minds for wet exactly. food, and you, you have to strangle them yeah. to get them to eat the dry stuff. If you have a cat that likes the I dry know. stuff, that's it. You've won. <laughs> I know, but I thought it was really weird and odd. And like one night, I was thinking, what if she likes something like human brains? Because that's kind of where my mind goes. I have like this dark sense of humor. And I ended up writing like 10 pages of it, because it initially started really short like that. And I was living in L.A. at the time, and I submitted it to Shriekfest, and it got in, and it was a finalist cool. there. And then just over the years, I kind of was adding to it. And then in the end of 2011, I adopted my current cat, Diablo. And that was the name the animal shelter had given him. This is adorable black cat. It's fait accompli. (laughs) Yeah. Who is not a cat from hell, despite his name. And he's even stranger. He has a um, very discriminating taste. He will not eat Atlantic salmon. Um, he'll only He's eat very, Pacific very salmon. He knows the difference. Um, I have to give him this thing called tiki tuna, this canned tuna, and there's like a like a variety that comes with like quail eggs. So he loves the quail eggs. Um, you need, you, th- th- come on, this is insanity. And this like is, those, stop, um, just stop. This those, is nuts. You know, like those temptation cat treats, and if I give that to him, he'll throw them up because they're oh, so low quality. Mm. Um. And he also does this thing where he, he begs, he'll like sit in the front of the fridge and um, just whine and like blink his eyes at me. And I read something where cats kind of evolved to mimic baby cries. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just something really great, like manipulation. So you can't say no to them. That's what kind of happens in the script. Like, like you have to kill for your cat because you can't say no. Fair enough, and that's you know? exactly the way things go with the Mary with the with the with the female lead in this. Children, I'm sure you would kill for Olive, right? I if would. You had to, so. Yeah, so you guys watch yourself. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. my mom has said that to me before. She's like, "I would bury a body for you." And I was like, <laughs> "If it meant mom, baby Olive survival, baby we would do it." <laughs> So wait, so hold on. We gotta go. I, I gotta. I, yeah, I gotta. Like, I gotta help you pump the brakes. I like. I need to. At the risk of I've becoming said too much. <laughs> at the risk of becoming a victim of this cat that you have currently and that uh, clearly love very much, or at least used to. Yeah. But you, you, I mean, you, at one point you casually said the word quail eggs like it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> like this is, it's kind of a problem, right? That's a very demanding cat. Uh, I, 
I do worry that one day he will eat my brains if I... <laughs> At least. That's a best-case scenario But then if he eats point. my brains, he's not going to get quail eggs anymore, so... Right, because then he's been spoiled. Uh, he has to keep me alive, you oh know. Oh, my God. Yeah, because then who would give him the food? Yeah. He's very, very smart. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you don't want to kill the hand that feeds you. Right. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you do have this kind of dark twist. Yeah. Where does that come from? hate men. <laughs> That's fair. Um, like you said, it's a relationship wrong, but I see it as a love story between a woman and her cat, and mm-hmm. she doesn't want yeah. anything to stand between that, especially some dumb guy, right? <laughs> and, and to John's credit, John, the husband, the, the, the male lead story. in the script, like, he plays ball for a while. He he puts himself yeah. out there in a pretty extreme degree. Yeah. He's willing to go out and, like, find randos to kill <laughs> to then feed to this cat. Yeah. But at the end, when he finally says, "Hey, man, enough's enough." Oops, see you later, dude. That's yeah. we got the the love story. You're right, is between the woman and her cat. Yeah, I saw her seat as being maybe a little feminist in a way, like we don't need you anymore. We're just yeah. gonna be with our each other, and uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> be be over here on Cat Island. Yeah, woman and Cat Island together. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. living in harmony. Yeah. I get that. Um, have you always written things that kind of have like a dark undertone, <laughs> even if they are funny? Yeah, yeah really? So. Yeah. Black. Like if wow. you watch The Intern, it also has that really dark sensibility. Like I really love like dark humor. So mm-hmm. why? I don't know. Maybe just wait. I was born like that. I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe you just always thought it was a little bit more curious or yeah, just like, like weird stuff. Curious, like know. a cat. <laughs> like I don't know if you've seen that Netflix show, The Santa Clarita Diet. I have. I've seen part of yeah, that. Yeah, I really like that show, and I think the tone of that is similar yes, to my script. So. I get that because it's like kind of upbeat and quirky. Yeah, but like gruesome at right? the same time. Yeah. yeah, I get that for sure. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask too, like, do you do other kinds of writing other than like just journalistic stuff or work in screenplays? Do you write short stories or poetry or? I've actually published two books. That's right. In the past Holy year. cow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so my first book came out last October. It's called the Beer Cheese Book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, it's a recipe book. It's like a cookbook thing. And also yeah. beer cheese was invented in Kentucky. So it's about the history of that. And cool. uh, there's a beer cheese trail, a beer cheese fest. So it's just like this travel log thing about Kentucky in part cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this. That sounds fun. We're actually doing a beer cheese dinner at Metropole mm. um, on September 20th. Probably going to mm. outdate the show by saying that. That's okay. Um, and then in spring, I had a book come out about the Ohio rock and roll music scene. It's so completely yeah. different about all the bands and like record labels that have come out of Ohio. So... Well, and you got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame up in Cleveland. Exactly. So it's so like there's a whole like chapter on the Cincinnati music scene, Columbus, cool. Dayton, uh, Cleveland, Akron. So uh, well, because also Cincinnati's been doing some moves recently to establish what's what's the studio to make it like a historic place. The that, King like, Records. That's yeah, it. yeah. It sounds like you have to do a lot of research when you write. Oh yeah, a ton of research. Do you do that for your creative, like the ones that are more? I I say creative, but of course the cookbook's creative too because you got to dictate mm-hmm. how it happened. Yeah. But the things that are like more fiction based, yeah, I think that's the great thing obviously about fiction is you just make it up. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't research cats eating brains or anything right. like that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's your release, right? It, that's the yeah. way to get away from having to do and the I don't deep do dives. Enough, I don't do enough fiction writing, so I don't know. <laughs> um, and the stories that you write, like, um, do you think to I think I know the answer to this, but like it's what the, does the content dictate the form it usually takes? Mm. Where like 
do you ever write fiction novels or are your novels kind of more like this research building? Yeah, I haven't written a novel. I don't know if I could or, and I've tried writing some short stories. I think I'm just better at something that's structured maybe. Like mm-hmm. that's why I like screenplays. Um, uh, I don't know. I just, I'm really good at screenplays for some reason, but not so good at like the short story form. I don't know why. <laughs> we I, I like about... dialogue a lot. I like yeah. doing dialogue, so... Um, Jack and I have talked a little bit about how he's so, like, versed in being able to write for a specific time. Yeah. You know, so if he's got to write a 15-second spot, oh, yeah. he does it nonstop. Well, because so I work he, in radio, so right. I know how long something's going to last generally as far as I'm writing it goes. Yeah, for right. sure. And I wonder if, like, the structure of a script really speaks to you because technically you know how many words you have to write in a yeah. journalistic piece. You might be given, you know, write 1,500 words on this topic and then go out and find that and so like taking that kind of technical exercise and reapplying it to the structure of a script might just like really be- become synchronous for yeah, you yeah this makes sense it does because i am very like structured like that um yeah. and obviously something like like a short story or a novel is more free form um well and also if you've talked about the idea if writing for fun is just your way like as far as writing a screenplay goes if you're just doing that for fun that means there aren't any restrictions as far as word count yeah, and how exactly. long you have to you're just getting it out of your system because it feels good yeah get all that like uh, dark energy out i guess <laughs> all the get zombie cat energy get it out in a screenplay <laughs> <laughs> well you guys want to do a little reading from the script yes please all right um listeners we have a treat for you today we're reading a short scene a scene selection from the finicky cat which was chosen specifically one because it's hilarious Two, because Jack wants to play the strange man. Yeah, I made a request. Who has <laughs> who has an eye patch? So Jack is very much looking forward to. He's not wearing an eye patch right now. I'm gonna, he's not in character. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a method thing and <laughs> cover up my one eye with my palm for sure. So uh, because this is the fun. This is the weirdo that sells the awful this is thing where that the ruins cat the comes people's from. lives. This is where it's at. Yeah, this, this is, is the character. This is the character, um, like the impetus. For it's maybe not the impetus, but this is where the story happens. This is where it all turns right here. So Jack's going to be reading The Strange Man. Frank's going to be playing the male, John. soon-to-be-dead, John. <laughs> and I'm going to be reading Stage Directions. So um, anything else we need to... You want to set anything else up in terms of this scene before we hop into it? Nah, I think it's probably going to be self-explanatory, so... Mm-hmm. It's a married couple. They had a cat. They've lost it. And yeah. now they're John is looking to get a new one to make his wife feel yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, John's kind of a pretty big victim in this whole thing, right? He's going <laughs> really to get yes. cat number two after one died to make his wife feel better, and it ends very badly for him. Yeah, and he tries. Like, He's kind of saying. a bitch, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I guess maybe the question is, like, should he have just walked away instead of being such yes, a bitch? He, he, he should have ended his marriage because a cat died, and he didn't want to take a chance on a new one. He's, he definitely was the one that made the mistake didn't in this know what he's getting into. Uh, let's come back to that after the <laughs> yeah, scene read. For sure. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I'm excited. Frank? Sure. Okay. Interior. Pause for life. Continuous. A strange man with an eye patch greets John. May I help you? Uh, yes. I would like a cat. Well, you've come to the right place. Is there one in particular you're looking for? I want a kitten, but maybe a cat that's at least a year old, friendly, cuddly. Ah! I have the perfect cat for you. Get it? Perfect. Uh, yeah. Interior, back room, continuous. 
John follows the man to a back room where a cat named Mittens sits alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so, it's so funny. Uh, Mittens sits alone in a cage. Boxes, empty shelves, and an empty cage with the nameplate Anthony Michael Hall surrounds the cat. What happened to Anthony Michael Hall? Good question. You and everyone else in the world would like to know. But seriously, AMH's owners named the cat after the star. But just like the actor, AMH was discarded and <laughs> forgotten. Uh, can you tell me more about him? Mittens came in about two days ago. He was left outside our front door without any info. He's very affectionate, though. He could use a good home. Uh, this is a weird question, but does Mittens like wearing capes? The strange man stares at him. No biggie. John peers inside the cage and locks eyes with the cat for a few seconds. There's an instant bond between the two of them. He pets the cat, and it immediately begins to purr and rub his head against his finger. John smiles and touches the cat's collar. It reads 666. John backs away. Why does the collar have that number on it? Oh, don't be alarmed. You're reading it upside down. It reads 999. That's his tracking code. Oh, thank God. All right, I'll take him. Excellent. Just remember, don't feed him after midnight, and don't get him wet. <laughs> I'm just joshing you. And <laughs> scene. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite scene to read all year. That makes me so happy. Oh, gosh. Oh, you were too funny, Jack. Well, listen, here's the whole thing. I'm basically doing my impression of that Simpsons episode where, where Homer gets that awful crusty doll that ends up like trying to kill the whole family. Right? Yeah. You get some Frogart and you get oh, your yeah. choice of topping. That's, 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 that's all. That was just a bad impression of that the whole time. I thought it was good. I love, too, that whole little bit with, like, oh, you're just reading as tag upside down. Yeah. Like, the Don't cat be literally has. Don't be this giant symbol thing. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, ignore that. You're fine. We just need to make a sale. And I hate to say it since we just called the character John such a little bitch, but Frank read that perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really right. Frank, that was very genuine. That's actually really good. <laughs> just a nice guy picking up a cat, asking some normal questions. <laughs> so when it comes to a script like this, when it's maybe not as, I mean, you said it was loosely based on a real mm-hmm. thing for you as far as cats goes but when it's not as you know say personal of a thing and you're just maybe having to exercise and you know, write down this fun thing uh, it's it's fun to like work in little moments because as the script goes on john brings this cat home and he's sort of stuck in this routine now where once he and his wife realize what this cat is really in the mood for it wants to eat brains <laughs> john finds himself going out and killing prostitutes <laughs> and like politicians and Maybe people that are on you know, what, what what's considered to be on maybe the fringes of society yeah. or whatever in terms of this script and bringing them back. And at one point he gets tired of it. Like, are you building, are you writing it just for the jokes or are you building something specifically that you know that you want to get to? Um, I mean, it's sort of both. I mean, there has to be some sort of plot. There has to be some sort of payoff, I think. And I think he just like, he gets like in over his head, you know, and, it, and like it's more and more intense and the cat starts eating the brains at a faster rate, you know? And so, uh, and it kind of builds up to the end of the climax. And, yeah, so. I wonder, too, because, of course, the whole script is anchored in the relationship between the couple unraveling. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit that you, you see this kind of as, like, a feminist film, which is, like, we don't need you. But is that relationship based in any relationships that you've actually had that maybe fell apart, that something came between you guys? 
I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I've had some long-term relationships that haven't quite worked out Mm -hmm. and uh, relationships where I had a cat with the boyfriend, that kind of thing. I mean, it's not like anything specific, I think. It's just like in general. um, Also, I think like when you adopt, at least in my experience, adopting a cat with someone, like that changes the whole dynamic of the relationship. Sure. like just even having, a, I don't have kids, but I can imagine like then you're just there to serve that that thing, and maybe you get jealous if the like say the cat is giving the other person more attention, or you just do everything for that that creature or whatever. And so I think it kind of changes that relationship a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder if like it is so funny that it's a cat, but like what if that cat was a was like a kid. And the kid was what came between the people. It makes it's just like a whole interesting the finicky baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The finicky olive. Yeah, sure. She's running around eating. Yeah, poor fi- seven. Your poor husband is running around in the middle of the night, like killing yeah. randos stuck in an alley somewhere <laughs> in order to keep this baby happy. Yeah, and at the end of it, I'm like, actually, we don't need you. Bye. <laughs> so yeah. Let me ask you this too: uh, the idea, the, the relationship between <laughs> things that are scary and things that are funny, because as this script goes on and the cat like starts to become maybe a little bit more intimidating for the husband mm-hmm. and like there's these moments where the cat is stalking the husband and the husband's kind of running through the house saying okay fine here here's your thing like the relationship between things that are scary and that are funny that there's a there's a fine line between those two things right the idea of a horror comedy is 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 way more of a thing than it's ever been mm-hmm. yeah definitely like delves more into horror territory and i think that just taps into like just our fears in general of just like maybe like like you said like overfeeding something over like loving something too much or mm. uh uh just like it's, it comes very psychological I think in a way um like what happens if you do give something like all your love or, or just like don't say no I guess is what's sort of happening there like they yeah. can't say no to the cat and, and then, the cat doesn't know any better exactly, the cat's never the gonna cat, say no takes advantage of them and wants more and more and more because uh, you're supposed to be obviously selfless and then the cat is more like selfish. So uh, I guess I would have to think about that, but there's probably something like a little bit deeper going on with all those relationships. And there's a cool dynamic that you can have as a writer as far as the way the the way that you can play with the audience emotionally of if you can maybe build up a little bit of fear and then there's like a payoff of like, oh, I can chuckle and now feel like comfortable again, but that doesn't take away the, the threat. The I, we Talking about like horror comedies, we talked about Little Shop of Horrors. Right. Cabin in the Woods absolutely has some sort of like a little bit of a, a fear comedy sort of interplay back and forth. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of using comedy to alleviate fear but not really taking away the fear is a fun thing you can do with the audience yeah and also like i mean the whole thing is supposed to be absurd and sort of over the top and Mm -hmm. uh that's like as it progresses it gets just a little like even crazier and that's just how it's just kind of like meant to be you know like like you've gone way too far you've done way too much you know (laughs) (laughs) that kind of thing jack and i were talking about some of our favorite moments and he brought up the parts where like the cat is stalking the humans, but what in what you end up seeing is like little cute cat paws. And oh, the when when like somebody locks themselves in a room and there's that little gap under the door, and you wrote this into the script a couple times. This murderous cat who you who the characters absolutely know has killed already does the little cat yeah, paw thing, thing under the door. That's the funniest thing in the world. I do love the idea of like just being able to take cl- clips of cats. And 
<laughs> just like put scary music behind them and it probably changes the whole thing like a cat just like <laughs> yeah. yeah like the way like like a cat will just sit there and stare at you just for no reason and you're mm-hmm. like oh what are you thinking there you know <laughs> i mean i've often had the thought and this actually i think got explored a little bit in an issue of neil gaiman's sandman not to make an overt comic book reference but regardless if if if, if size was switched up and like we weren't bigger than like house cats and stuff it doesn't matter how sweet the cat you've had for years that you love and who loves you back for sure. If all of a sudden the ratios were switched and it was people-sized and you were cat-sized, that cat, no matter how much it mm-hmm. loved you, would absolutely kill you. Yeah. Without question. I mean, it's in their nature. Yeah. So they're predators. Oh, so what are you going to do? For sure. <laughs> um, have you ever read the play Sylvia by A.R. Gurney? No. It's So it's it's reminds me of this a bit, and I really want to play this character, Sylvia, um, because what happens is that this couple adopt a dog, and the dog's name is Sylvia, but it's played by a perky young woman. Like and, in a costume. Um, well, in the, in the script, the stage directions have her like wearing a cutoff shirt and oh. uh, like boyfriend jeans. Not like a dog costume at no, all. No. Okay. So okay. she's supposed to be, it's very metaphorical. Yeah, she's is, supposed to be like... I'm very upset by this to begin with. <laughs> well, what ends up happening is that A.R. Gurney is exploring the relationship of this man in the script who's having like a mental breakdown or like a, he's having like a midlife crisis. And so he starts loving the dog more. Mm. And there's this jealousy that builds between the the wife of the wife with the relationship to the husband um, and like the husband's relationship to the dog. And then it's over. It's like even more um, showcase because she she's played by this like younger they they Wearing call a for a perky woman, yeah. yeah. And and I like honestly, could you guys just just think just think about this? Think about me getting to pretend to be like a sexy dog woman on stage. Mm-hmm. I would love that so so much. That's actually a great part. Yes, and it's I love it because it does some similar stuff that mm-hmm. you do in this script, where this um, the relationship between one of the people starts to get stronger than the relationship to yeah yeah them to each other in the, in the in Sylvia what ends up happening is like the husband and wife have a big thing and they reconvene and he gets out of his midlife crisis but mm. what happens in here is that are we going to say it we should say it I mean, we already yeah. sort of employed the husband doesn't do he well. doesn't he doesn't make it he doesn't do well actually <laughs> the wife chooses. And she, and she chooses correctly. She right. goes with the <laughs> She makes a choice. <laughs> and the husband dies. So in terms of production, if she, Allison was talking about this play where there's a person, maybe not in a costume, but there's a metaphor there. I think that you have a lot of options as far as production of this goes, whether or not it's actual people or maybe a trained cat or even maybe like an animated thing. I think yeah. it's so you, you you have a lot of options here. I thought I thought about that because I think a lot of people don't want to work with like an actual cat or mm-hmm. um, I made like that trailer with my mm-hmm. cat. It was really easy, but there weren't like a lot of people in the room, but mm-hmm. I had, I thought about maybe like it's animatronic or it's animated the cat or, or like you do like a B-roll where you just film the cat doing like cat stuff like staring at you in the paw under the door and all that. Um, because the cat doesn't actually kill anyone itself, you know. That's right. It's, like, right. it's making like He's John just being do a cat. it. Yeah. So it's like the one sending the orders. So I think there would be a way, like with some editing, you could like like do that. But and that could also make it almost funnier too, because especially when when <laughs> yeah. with the vet at yeah. one point when the when when the husband takes the cat to the vet. 
uh, the cat is kind of chasing the vet down the hallways, and the, and the veterinarian <laughs> gets upset and ends up like accidentally falling out of a window and landing on mm-hmm. a statue a with a sword sticking out. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. <laughs> and like, dude dies, gets impaled on this thing, and then the cat shows up and just sort of starts lapping up the, the blood. The, yeah. And the brains. You have a lot I guess of it's options the there. Yeah, yeah, shoot, that's very funny. Another thing I wanted to do, I, I wanted the cat to live because I really hate in horror films when animals die because I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes they're only introduced to their, their sole existence is to die in vain. Like, like why is this dog hero? It's going to get killed. Like, right. like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. Yeah, so you, you want to flip the script yeah, in terms of so the things you've normally seen. Yeah. yeah, the cat's driving all the action here. Yeah. And it's so funny that it's just doing normal cat stuff. Well, I mean, what's so smart about that is that your subtext actually works, mm-hmm. really, then. Because we all see the cat and start implying something way more sinister, no matter what the cat's doing throughout the script. Actually, you know, you're right. I think the idea that if if this were ever to go into production, the idea of just having a regular cat doing regular cat yeah. things that you were able to work with the editing on, that makes it a million times funnier. Yeah. Than doing like just a straight animated thing and like showing all the sinister stuff because if it's a cat just being a cat that's way funnier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is cat is the cat really a villain if it's doing just what it's like human nature? Or, right. You know? <laughs> Zombie brain. You're yeah. right. John's the one going out killing yeah. random people, and then Mary kills her husband. Basically, <laughs> yeah. to... they're the real monsters. They're the monsters. Like, you see that twist coming because I kind of wanted it to be a surprise when she kills him. I don't know if that was sort of like implied that it's going to happen. I or... thought that the cat was going to eventually kill him. I didn't right. know it was yeah. going to be her. Yeah. 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 Like so up I until the point, like he's got like an axe or something, right? And up yeah. until the very end, when like there's a there's a specific direction in the script <laughs> where like he sets the axe down because Mary says, "John, what are you doing? This is our this is our sweet little baby." And like as soon as he puts his weapon down, like that's the big like, "Oh, sorry, dude, you yeah. just, you're out. You're the basic, <laughs> and you're gone." <laughs> so we talked about uh, like Little Shop of Horrors and stuff. Are there any like as far as inspiration? Are you reading anything that like sort of feels feeds into this like maybe dark humor muscle that you like to flex as far as a writer goes um like just in general yeah, or sure. like i don't know i watch a lot of like tv shows and movies that have like a dark undertone i just finished binging that show ozark i don't know if you've seen yeah. that second season's really dark kind of like breaking bad mm-hmm. um i just like things that have like complex characters that you know it shows people kind of like everyone has a dark side i think everybody has like dark thoughts right so mm-hmm. Just sort of like playing that out in like like a horror comedy, but trying to also keep it somewhat light so it doesn't get too serious, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with with the finicky cat, I feel like for a short film, it's a it's a very unique length. Like twenty six pages is a little bit longer than we normally yeah. see on these. And so I just wondered, like, what what you would really like to do with it with production. Are you are you wanting to make it just to have it, just because making movies is obviously super, super fun and we all love that in this room? Are you wanting to, like, sell it and get it made into somehow a longer feature movie that would, of course, become a completely different thing at that point? Feed me, <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, I think, yeah, 25 pages is a little bit long. I'd probably have to, like, cut it down if we did, like, a short. I think it worked really would work well in, like, an anthology series, mm, you know, like, yeah, sure. yes. Tales from the Crypt, that kind of thing. Yes. And, like, like, an anthology film. 
even if it was like a film, like a whole feature length about cats or something. Tales oh. from the ASPCA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the hard thing about like a short is like, what are you going to do with it? I mean, you screen it yeah. at Film Fest, but inevitably you want to like use it as like a calling card to make a feature or to make money from it or, you know, and I obviously I would love to do all that. And I think at this point I would just like to see it get made because yeah. I've been living with it for so long just to see it out in the world and uh, on the big screen. But yeah, I don't know what I'd want to do with it. I um, do love the idea of it being part of an anthology film. I think that makes total sense. Yeah. I do too. Like it, the quirk, the metaphor that you could draw between it and maybe other things that you've written too. Yeah. That, that just sounds way cool. Agreed. Um, I mean, that being said, there's always place, places in film festivals yeah, for yeah. <laughs> very and unique stories like this. We are extremely glad that you submitted your script to this independent film festival. Oh, that, I mean, that's the way we started talking. Awesome. I'm very happy it about and it. I'm glad you did that live reading. And it, like, live readings are great because it, it makes me think of it like in a different perspective. Like, for instance, uh, there's this doc- character, Dr. Loomis, and the actress who read it, she gave it an accent. And I think, why'd you do that? She's like, I just thought the character needed an accent. And also in terms of like casting, when I wrote to script, I, you know, I have kind of a, like an idea in my mind what the characters look like, but you know, I, they're just kind of shapeless or whatever. And, and like, to have like a diverse cast even like, oh, maybe like the, that doctor character, I for some reason imagined it to be a man, but like, why couldn't it be a woman or why couldn't like a black guy play the lead, you know? So it makes you sort of think of those things. And also as a comedy, it was great that everyone laughed at the jokes. They actually mm-hmm. thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. And I thought like maybe some jokes worked better than others. And then also that part about uh, where the montage where he's killing degenerates like homeless people and prostitutes. <laughs> I've been yeah. thinking about that. And I'm like, well, you know, prostitutes are people too. Why do right. they deserve to be murdered? This is a dark satire. It's very yeah. dark. Listeners, <laughs> I love it when people cross the line, and I'm glad that you did it multiple times in this awesome read. It's very, very funny. Garen, it's a ton of fun. Thank you so, so much for sending it to us and coming in. We're so happy to have somebody actually in studio to talk yeah, with. It's yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great to be local and involved in like the, the film scene here. You know, like I'm so glad like you did this film fest. It's something that we Cincinnati really needed, and it was amazing, fucking amazing, as Frank said. <laughs> Damn right. Quote, quote Frank forever. On that <laughs> yeah. Fucking amazing. Put that on the poster for next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What if the face is just fa- Frank's face, like expressionless, <laughs> staring straight at us? I love that. Oh man. Anyway. Garen, if there's somebody that wants to get in touch with you because they've read the script and they've heard the interview and they're interested in maybe uh, talking to you about the finicky cat, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, so I have a website called garenpernia.com and all my info is on their email. I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And my handle's at gpernia. So I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> and we will definitely have links for that up on uh, scriptchopshow.com yeah. as well. Yep. Cool. Well... I guess uh, we could just finish. <laughs> Let's see. So if you're interested in being in touch with us, mm-hmm. go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, we are Script Shop Show on all of those things. Don't forget to submit your script here to us. <laughs> you have options. You can either do it on scriptshopshow.com slash submit or going on to Film Freeway and yep. looking up Script Shop and yep. sending us it's that It's like I've never know. done this before. It's okay. We've had a bit of a break and you're coming off of the festival and everything's fine. It's all good. Uh, we also have a variety of social media options for you on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and you can find us all if you search Script Shop Show. Uh, we're on those various platforms. Yes. So until next week, listeners, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. 
Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Scoop shop, show. Scoop shop, show. Scoop shop, show.